were listening as well, uh, ended with the line of heaven's sun sleeping under the stars that he made. It's this incredible picture of the miracle of Christmas. Avery, are you going to stay here and teach or do you want to go back with your mom? You can stay. There's a great couch right there. And <laughs> My name's Keith Reed, and I'm the associate pastor here at Jericho Ridge Community Church. I'm so glad that you chose to join us this evening as we celebrate the miracle of Christmas. And that phrase, the miracle of Christmas, has been our theme over the past few weeks. We began our Advent series on the last Sunday in November. And Advent means waiting, expectation. And the past four Sundays, we've been uh, cherishing that thought of waiting in anticipation for the Christ child, the arrival of the Messiah. And at this time of year, it's very traditional for us to talk about Christmas and the meaning of Christmas. And it's this idea of Christ coming to earth, God himself being wrapped up in human flesh, tendons, skin, bones, nerves, muscles, God himself in human form. And he entered our world just as you and I entered our world, as a baby, born to a woman, kicking, crying, screaming, clinging on to life, waiting for his next meal. This is the story of Christmas. But this isn't the only story of Christmas. There's many other stories within this story. We have many other miracles that we've talked about. Uh, we have the, the example of the virgin birth, this immaculate conception there's a story of the angel that we saw there in the video, appearing to Mary, appearing to Joseph, appearing to others. There's the understanding of fulfilled prophecy. Uh, individuals hundreds of years before Jesus came prophesied about the birth of the Messiah. There are many, many miracles. We have the, the sudden and unexpected display of angels, a heavenly choir, who sang out in what must have been harmony. Uh, they sang out, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The miracle of Christmas is presented to us as a story. And who knows how many storytellers told it way back when. They told it from generation to generation, and then a few individuals actually took the responsibility of writing it down. Many of you will be familiar with the authors of Matthew and Luke. And Luke chapter 2 is probably the most well-known Christmas story. And Luke tells us, everything came to be. This chapter in, in the book of Luke is very well known. I know as a child, I remember having it read to me or reading it myself at family gatherings, sort of how we heard the story that was just presented just now. Children sitting around the chair and, and listening to this story. Matthew tells the story as it's uh, not quite as interesting to me. I have a bit more of an imagination. And Matthew just kind of lays it out flat for us. But the part of the story that I love in Luke's gospel has to do with the shepherds. They're shepherds who are out on the field taking care of their flocks by night. And then suddenly, an angel appears. An angel appears, and first of all, he says, I have great news to tell you, but don't be afraid. And I think if any of us were to think about what an angel really is, we would probably be quite shocked by the great light and the sudden appearance of something so heavenly and something coming so unexpected. And then he says that to the people there, he says, basically, it's time. This is the Messiah. I've heard these words many, many times. I think it's easy to 
just to go right through the story without thinking about exactly what the angel said. This is fulfilled prophecy. For the, the shepherds waiting there, this was unexpected news. The Messiah, the one, the chosen one of God, was going to enter into the world in the existence of a baby. And then the angel gives them a sign. He gives them a sign. And this is what I want to focus on tonight is the sign that the angel gives to the shepherds. He says this, that the sign to the shepherds is that they will find this child in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. And they'll find the child wrapped up in cloths and lying in a manger. The sign here is the confirmation of the great news that they had received. It is, it's the proof that the Messiah, in fact, has come. It's the sign that, that validates this news that he has appeared. It's the key to experiencing the great news that was just announced to them. But the trouble with this sign is that this sign was given to the shepherds. This sign was given to the shepherds 2,000 years ago, and it was very clear what they were supposed to do. They were to go to Bethlehem to find this child. The sign was intended for the shepherds. It was not intended for us. And we're greatly removed from this story. We aren't shepherds. We aren't working a night shift tonight. And my guess is that no one has had an angel appear to you yet this evening. So if this was a sign for the angels, what possibly is our sign? What's the sign that you and I have that the Messiah has come? And what are we supposed to do about it? Or to phrase this question a little bit differently, if you are going to ask God for a sign tonight, if you are going to ask God for a sign of His presence, of His existence, the fact that He cares, what would you ask Him for? What would you ask God for if you were looking for a sign? Some of you might think, well, I would want a huge sign. An angelic visitation, a heavenly choir, uh, something that was unmistakable is what I would want. I would just a sign for myself. I would want a sign for the entire world to see that we could all say, there is God. God exists. He cares for me. Others of you might think, no, I want a sign for myself. Him to speak just to me. I'd want him to prove himself just to me. Some of you might think of signs that were given to other people throughout human history. You think maybe of Noah and the sign of the rainbow that he was given of God's promise and faithfulness to him. Or maybe of Moses. He was given a staff that did all the wonders of God as he enabled him to do it. What sort of sign would you want God to do for you? You see, when we hear the words of the Christmas story, I find that it's easy to feel removed from the story. It can feel that I'm just a reader of the story and not actually a person within the story. And so tonight, I want you to envision what it would look like to receive a sign of the good news. Just like the shepherds received a sign on that holy night. Put yourself in the Christmas story and consider what you would need in order to know that God truly did exist and God truly cares for you. Well, I want to read a story to you. It's written by an author that I greatly respect. His name's Frederick Buechner. And I don't know about you, but when you read an author and you've read a lot of his works, it can kind of feel like you develop a friendship with him and you imagine together and, and you explore all sorts of possibilities. And he wrote a story about what would happen if God not just gave you a sign, but gave the entire world a sign that made it so clear that no one could doubt God's existence at all. 
And he calls this story a message in the stars. Now, I was hoping for a clear sky tonight so that we could look out and we could look at the stars and ponder this message together, but the best we can do is up on the projector screens so we can ponder this together as we listen to this story by Frederick Beekner. He supposes that God chooses a point in history to make himself known. He says this, Suppose, for instance, that God were to take the great dim river of the Milky Way as we see it from down here, flowing across the night sky, and were to brighten it up a little, and then rearrange it so that all of a sudden, one night, the world would step outside, look up at the heavens, and see not the usual haphazard scattering of stars, but written out in letters light years tall, the sentence, I really exist. Or perhaps, God is. If I were going to write a story or a play about such an event, I would start, of course, with the very first night. Of this great theological headline would suddenly appear in the stars, with the suns and the moons to dot the I's and the tails of comets to cross the T's. And I would try to show some of the ways I can imagine people might respond to it. I would show some of them sinking to their knees, not because they are especially religious people, but just because it might seem how the only natural thing to do under the circumstances. They would perhaps do it without even thinking about it. Just crumple down their knees there in the tall grass out behind the garage. Some of them I would show running back to their houses in tears. Guilty ones, scared of judgment. Sophisticated ones in terror at the stark and terrible simplicity of it. Just God is right out there in the stars. And maybe in everyone, some degree, terror at the sheer and awesome vastness of the unknown suddenly making itself known. I wonder how I would react if one night, maybe even tonight, I looked up at the stars and there it was, printed out for all to see, God is. I wonder how you would react if this was the message that you saw in the stars tonight. Would it change the way you think? Would it change the way you used to live? You and I could speculate about how it might change you or not change you or me for that matter. We could think a little better and say, well, we're gathered here tonight in the city of Langley. How would it affect our community? How we treated one another? How we spent our money? How we spent our time? How we educated our kids? What we did politically? We could think about all the great cities across the world like New York and Berlin and Hong Kong and we could say, how would it change these cities? We could think of the rich and their lavish mountains, great high-rises. We could think of the poor and the ghettos and the slums. Uh, We could think of, of the people who have so much money that they don't even know how to spend it. And the people who all they really care about is their next meal. And we could ask, what would a message in the stars like this do to them? How would it change them? Well, Beekner continues on in his story but he has a much different conclusion for how it might change people. He says, what I would be trying to suggest in my story would be that the initial impact of God supplying the world with this kind of objective proof would be extraordinary. Churches would have to overflow into football stadiums and open fields. Wars would stop. Crime would stop. A kind of uncanny hush would fall over the world. But as my story ended... I'm afraid that in honesty, I would have to suggest something else. 
Bichner says that years would go by and this message would continue to be right up there in the stars. In fact, he even is tempted to think that maybe God would jazz it up just a little bit so that people wouldn't think, oh, this one in a billion occurrence happened. So maybe God would change the message a little bit. Instead of saying, God is, maybe he would say, still here, or I still exist. So people know that he is manipulating the stars. He thought maybe we could add some celestial music as well and a couple of bright lights like fireworks up in the stars just to get people's attention. Maybe even change the message into different languages so that every group of people around the earth would see the stars and read the message in their own mother tongue. And then he says this, then the way I would have it end would be like this. I would have a child look up at the sky some night, just a plain garden variety child with perhaps a wad of bubble gum in her mouth. If this were to be a movie, I would have a close-up here of just the child's eyes with the stars reflected in them, and I would have her spell out syllable by syllable the message. And deep in the heavens, there would be the usual strains of sublime music. And then I would have the child turn to her father, or maybe with the crazy courage of childhood, I would have her turn to God himself, and the words that I would have her speak would be words that make the angels gasp. So what if God exists, she would say. What difference does that make? And then in the twinkling of an eye, the message would fade away for good, and the celestial music would be heard no more. Or maybe they would continue for centuries to come, but it would no longer make any difference. The reason why the message in the stars would make no difference is because as much as you might want a sign, the type of sign that you might want and the type of sign that I might want might in the end really not be what we want after all. We might say that we want a sign, a sign of God's existence, a sign that God is really out there, but I think what you and I are actually really wanting is significance in saying that God is not just out there, but that God really cares for us. It's not so much a sign that God exists that we crave, but an understanding that God actually cares. Because a sign would truly be miraculous. If we had that message in the stars out there tonight, I'm sure that we would all be baffled by that. It might certainly change us for a little while, but how long would it last before we went back to our ordinary way of living? How long would it last before it would just fade away and we would continue on? I think what we truly want, in fact, what we truly need, is not just a sign of God, but an experience. A sign that doesn't leave us looking up at the stars and saying, I don't care if God is out there. What I care about is if God is truly here. And this is the amazing thing about the sign that's given to the shepherds. They receive this miraculous sign, but this sign that they receive actually becomes an experience. They take the message that they've heard and they put action to the message. And so Luke, in his story, he says that the angels went. They went to Bethlehem and they found the baby. And after they had seen him, they spread word about everything that they had been told. And then they returned to the fields, glorifying God and giving him praise for everything that they had experienced. The shepherds were changed that night because they received a sign from God and it became an experience, a transformational experience. And the shepherds aren't the ones who received a sign. 
Some of you will be familiar with Matthew's story. Matthew talks about a different group of people, the Magi, the wise men. They received the star as their sign, and it led them to sacrifice. They, they left the homes and the work, and we don't really know these people except that they were wise and presumably wealthy. And they went traveling. They followed this star so that they could worship the child. They took a sign, and they turned it into an experience. Now, there's many other parts of the Christmas story that we don't know about. We don't know how many other people decide and chose to act on it or not to act on it. Some of these people might have seen the star. They might have heard the news of the shepherds. And after a while, they might have it doesn't matter. What difference does that make? Who cares about the hoopla? And they might have just continued on with the rest of their lives. I'm convinced that unless we choose to experience a sign from God, we will remain unsatisfied. And it might as well be an angelic visitation for someone else or a message in the stars that we can't see because if we don't take a sign and turn it into a situation that affects our life, it really is going to leave us unsatisfied in the end. And we will remain readers of God's story and not characters who can experience God's story. And unless we choose to experience God's story, it will simply become a story of God's light show, a sign for the shepherds, a sign for the magi, a sign for someone else except for you and for me. And if this sign is going to make any difference in our lives, it's got to provide us with hope that's worth putting our hope into. Frederick Buechner's story about a message in the stars is not true. It's a fictitious story. It's something that you or I could have written if we were gifted writers as he is. But there's a good similarity between this and the story of the birth of Christ. Because the Christmas story, God chose to reveal himself in a miraculous way. But in the Christmas story, it was not a miraculous way out there, out there in the stars. It was a miraculous way here in our earth. Astronomers might be more impressed if God were to rearrange the stars one night, but think about the shepherds. They received this good news, and they went and they saw the Christ child with their own eyes, understanding that this was not just a sign that proved that God existed, but a sign that showed them that God cared enough to be with them. God cared enough to send His Son to be with us. And by being with us, by coming from heaven to, to put on flesh and to be with us, He experienced the human condition just like you and I do. He knows what it's like to be disappointed. Jesus came and He experienced physical pain and sorrow. He, he saw loved ones pass away. Everything that can be experienced in the human condition, Jesus has walked that road. And so we have evidence in the Christ child that He experiences what we experience and He's able to help us as we endure through similar situations. The name Emmanuel, which is given to Jesus, does not mean God exists or God is. It means God with us. The birth of Jesus reminds us that God is not playing with the stars every night as if the universe is a light bright display. It reminds us that God is with us. So the shepherds left the field that night 2,000 years ago. They had a sign and they went to Bethlehem. And they went to Bethlehem and they worshipped. They worshipped and they told people about it and it changed their lives. And now, tonight, we have the sign. We have the sign of knowing 
that God loved us so much He sent His Son into the world because He cares for us. And we too have a chance to worship Him. This is how we can take the sign and transition it into an experience. A transition that can change our lives. And as Sally Lloyd-Jones said so beautifully in the children's story that was read earlier this evening, the one who made us has come to live with us. The one who made us has come to live with us. The miracle of Christmas, the sign to us tonight, is that we have been given Jesus, who is called Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you, Lord, that you have not just given us a sign that you exist, but that you have shown us in the birth of Jesus that you care deeply for us. To send our rescuer, our redeemer, our help. To identify with the, the human race, to be one with us. And so, God, I pray that we would respond tonight and that we would be changed tonight like the shepherds whose ordinary lives were interrupted in a promise fulfilled. We would come and we would worship You and we would acknowledge that You are Jesus, the Son of God, and that Your existence here makes all the difference. Thank You, Lord, for Your gift. Thank You for being with us. Amen.